what is going on people welcome to another episode of a need to read now i'm feeling a little bit fruity today so i thought i'd drop an episode out there and i've been sat on this one for a while because one of these books took me a while to get through because i know you might think that i like all the books i read but guess what he doesn't this one was not my favorite book and i know i always say that some of these books are my favorite book and you may even be getting bored of that but guess what he's switching up a little bit today and I'm going to tell you about a book that I didn't enjoy so much. Although I didn't enjoy it, I do understand that this book can bring value to a lot of people's lives. And it may be because I'm familiar with the concepts that I didn't find it, like it, it wasn't anything new and it wasn't anything exciting for me. Whereas for some people, it might be just that. There's another book as well that I listened to, which I think is really, really useful for people to have a look at. And it's done loads for me. It's called Breath. Now, before we start this episode, breath is going to come second, but I want you to do something for me. I want you to breathe only through your nose for the duration of this episode, and I want you to breathe five seconds in, five seconds out. Now, you don't have to be really accurate with your five seconds. Your five seconds is probably going to be different to mine, and then mine is going to be different to someone else's. So, obviously... A five seconds is subjective. I'm not asking you to sit there with a timer, but just think about it. Five seconds in, five seconds out, through your nose for the whole episode, and then just take note of how you feel at the end. You might feel stressed out, to be fair, because sometimes when you start doing breathing exercises and stuff like that, it is difficult, and you do think about it too much, and you start breathing faster, and your heart rate starts going faster. But after a while, everything should settle, and you should feel quite calm. Now, Enough on breath for one moment, we're going to get back to that. Before we get into the episode, I know we're two minutes in already, but a bit late. I want you to sign up to my email list. I'm going to keep it short and sweet. I'm going to put a link in the description of this episode. Click on it, chuck your email in there. I'll send you an email every week. If you don't like it, there's a button at the bottom and it says unsubscribe. So you can unsubscribe whenever you want. It's completely up to you. If you don't like me in your mailbox, get me out of there. I'm not going to be offended. But you're never going to know if you don't try. And that is one of the beautiful things about life. Boom. I said in the last episode that I wasn't going to say boom anymore. And I just did it again. And I'm really disappointed in myself. So, without further ado, let's talk about Deep Work by Cal Newport. He is the author of So Good They Can't Ignore You. Not a book that I've read, but that's what it says on the front cover. Now, the idea of Deep Work is essentially the ability to focus without distraction on a cognitively demanding task. Now, to put that in layman's terms, focusing really hard on something that takes a lot of brain power, it's way more difficult than people think. When we're talking cognitively demanding tasks, let's think back to school, you're writing an essay, or you're making a piece of art, something like that, and you have to access that zone where you're just completely out of it, you're just engulfed in the work, or ingrained, whatever you are you're in the work and nothing can distract you so this book by Cal Newport spends pretty much the first half just talking about where people are going wrong with deep work who's doing it wrong companies like Facebook and Twitter they've got massive open plan offices so Cal Newport was sort of critiquing critiquing them on this front just saying that like an open plan office is no good for anyone because everyone's constantly getting distracted 
Now, the creatives in Silicon Valley, the tech giants of the world, I don't know if those creatives are good to bounce off each other. They probably are, but that's not what Cal Newport thinks. And I think his book might be a bit biased. Like with every non-fiction book you read, they are biased to the idea that they're trying to put out there. And, I mean, fair play to him, actually, because he kind of acknowledged the fact that there are some successful companies that don't do this, but he still thinks he knows better than old Mark Zuckerberg or what's his chops from Twitter. I read the first part of this book. I think it was up to like page 90. It's like a 260, 250 page book. And I read it for about three weeks. And I was like, you know what? I really, I can't be asked to read this anymore because it it just seemed like it was repeating itself a little bit to me. Um, There were a few parts that I highlighted within the first couple chapters, but it wasn't anything major. One thing that did kind of stand out is about your willpower. Now, he says that willpower is like a finite resource. It's something that you can run out of. And you have to choose where you act on your willpower. And also, there's a little thing that they like to call attention residue. So when you switch from one task to another, a little bit of your attention is left with the task that you've just left. So understandably, when you've got a lot on your plate, when you feel like you're spreading yourself too thin... It's because half your energy is probably still with what you were doing before you moved on to the next task. And that's where this book can be quite important. Because if you are someone that feels like you're spreading yourself too thin and can't get into sort of a flow or a rhythm with your work, then this book could be pretty good for you. I am kind of one of those people. So I understand the concepts of this book are really good. But I just think in terms of for me it didn't stand out as like one of the best books and I know I've already said that but he does give you actionable steps on how to get better at deep work and how to manage your work one of the main sort of points that I would have in terms of managing your deep work is he says to make sure you schedule breaks and that your breaks much like the concepts coming from essentialism and a lot of other books like that make them fun make them nothing as well go for a walk complete stillness meditate stuff like that schedule in your distractions so let's say you've got let's just say you're a uni student or you're working in an office and you've been set a task to do and you know that it's going to take you about four or five hours of really getting in the zone you're obviously not going to be able to work for four or five hours non-stop so schedule your breaks schedule every half an hour you get five minutes, you can go on the internet, you can you can take care of your distraction, you can not necessarily like surf the urge of the distraction, but just give in to it and make sure that that's a thing that you are comfortable doing and then your deep work will get better. Another thing that he mentions about when you're in the zone of deep work is at the end, you have to say a phrase. So say I'm doing my deep work and I've got to the end of my... 25, 30 minutes. This is uh, questionable, but he's like, mission accomplished or system shutdown. And you say it out loud and that sets your brain to be like, yeah, do you know what? I've done that. I'm going to move on to the next thing. It's an interesting concept. You might look a little bit weird if you do it in work. Um, you could just whisper it to yourself. But if it's got into the book, it means it was probably quite an important message for him. And it's something that stood out to me. 
and there wasn't a great deal that stood out to me in this book. But there was one part on working deeply. Now, if you're thinking, yeah, but Ed, you're talking about working deeply like we've read the book and we haven't. Well, guess what? I can't read you the whole book, but I can tell you there are three key things that you need to combat when you're getting into deep work or getting into a hard task. So you need to work out where you're going to work and for how long. And then how you'll work when you start to work and how you're going to support your work as well. You need to almost make this ritualized. Don't know if ritualized is a word, but you need to make sure that this is like a system that you've got in place for your work. So say for an author, they're writing a book. What they need to do is like, right, well, at seven o'clock in the morning, I'm going to go to the office. That's where I'm going to do my work. And when I'm working, I won't have my phone in the room. I won't have the internet on. I'm just going to write. And then when he talks about supporting the work, like you need to give yourself a break. So going for a walk or meditating, something like that, it clears the mind and it sets you up for the next stage of deep work. Frederick Nietzsche, Nietzsche, I said it right that time. I've been criticized for saying that wrong. Um, he says, it is only ideas gained from walking that have any worth. You can take what you want from that, but what I took from that was that ideas that come to you when you're not thinking about the ideas are usually the best thing. You know, shower thoughts or thoughts when you're driving, they come to you and they're usually probably the best ideas that you've had that day or that month because you're not thinking about the task and you've given yourself time to step away and then boom subconscious just serves you up something that's a great idea there's a lot to be said about stillness and i think you've obviously heard me talk about it like in taoism talking about ryan holiday's stillness is the key in the past and it is a really really important factor when you're doing anything creative is just to take that break and then you're set up in the best way possible to return to the hard work or the task at hand they say idleness is not just a vacation an indulgence or a vice it is as indispensable to the brain as vitamin D is to the body, and deprived of it, we suffer a mental affliction as disfiguring as rickets. It is, paradoxically, necessary to getting any work done. Now, obviously, they're not my words. There's some bloke called Tim Creeder, and he described himself as not such a busy person or the laziest ambitious person that he knew. So being still... You've got to do it, kids, adults, whoever's listening. I know there's probably not too many kids listening, but you've got to make sure that whenever you're working hard at something, you give yourself time to rest and recover and do nothing. Bill Gates is a massive advocate of that. I've probably spoken about this before, but Bill Gates is Think Weeks, where he just goes away and shuts himself in a cabin and just reads and reads and reads all week or writes all week but he doesn't have the distractions of email or social media. You've got to make sure you're taking a break. When I took a break from Instagram a couple of weeks ago, I actually felt pretty good. The reason that I took a little break was because I really felt like I needed it. And I think it re is really important, especially say your business is on Instagram or anything like that. Like it is important to schedule breaks because then you don't get bored and you don't feel like you're working as hard as you actually are. So because like your capacity for work in any given day is limited, make sure you're giving yourself a little bit of break. I am going to move on from deep work now because I feel like I've given it a lot of the limelight today 
and I do want to get into breath, but I don't want to make this episode too long. So Deep Work is a book that will be good for people who find themselves easily distracted, unable to focus, or just a bit confused about what it is to work hard or to be able to work hard. Because some people think working hard is just plowing through everything all day, all day, all day. And then guess what? Burnt out. Done. They can't work to the standard that they've set because they've burnt themselves out. If you're one of those people, I'd get deep work. It's by Cal Newport. If you want to support the podcast, I'll chuck a link in the episode description. And you can get that from Amazon. And I'll probably get about 12p from it. So if you want to do your boy a favour, do that. If not, get it from wherever you want. If you want to get it from a local bookshop even better let's talk about breath now i hope you've been breathing through your nose if you've forgotten already let's just start again five seconds in five seconds out through your nose just remember through your nose so let's get into it breath by james nestor now this book essentially at the start gives you a chapter or two or maybe even three about how mouth breathing has made us weaker and that's the reason why our noses have produced and um, protruded from our face and we all get crowded teeth we don't sleep well now obviously not everyone gets crowded teeth and not everyone sleeps poorly i sleep like shit so i've started nasal breathing because of this book and when I wake up at four o'clock in the morning, like I do, apparently I just like to check that the world's still there um, and then just think about annoying things that I did when I was like 18. But that's beside the point. There is a lot of evidence to point towards the fact that mouth breathing is making our mouths weaker. Now, this podcast obviously isn't a scientific review. Um A lot of the evidence he uses is anecdotal, so that means it's like experience as opposed to like hard scientific facts. But there is some science there um, that he's gone into. But like I said, this isn't a scientific review, so I'm not going to go into it. My cousin over in Canada, shout out to you, Nick, you legend. He is a young respiratory therapist and he's just graduated. So I thought I'd speak to him about this and I wanted to see how biased he thought this book was. He said... Very, very biased, but nasal breathing is the way forward. I hope you're still nasal breathing, by the way. So when we're talking about nasal breathing and mouth breathing, obviously mouth breathing is through your mouth, nasal breathing through your nose. Mouth breathing essentially makes the sort of muscles at the back of your mouth weak. Um, They keep making your mouth smaller, and that's obviously bad. And it makes your breath bad, apparently, according to the book. That's one of the bits of anecdotal... um, evidence now to be fair in terms of the science there has been research happening since the 1500s um now he said that it's more wholesome to nasal breathe we love wholesome things here and if they're talking about it in the 1500s and it's just been brushed under the carpet i'm pretty glad that he's brought it back up now weird thing about your nose just before we go anywhere else and before i forget this Your nose apparently has the same kind of cells or fibers as your genitals. So nasal nasal erections or a nose boner, it's actually a real thing. 
and you'll feel your nose get harder at times and that's because it's aroused. You can get nose boners. That might just be the best bit of the book for me. Um, And that's just my poor taste being shown there and my lack of maturity. But I thought that was a pretty interesting thing to come out of the book. You get nose boners. Who would have thought? If you have a look at your own nose, you'll probably see that one nostril is smaller than the other. And that is essentially like a collapsed muscle. So it'll atrophy over time. So hypertrophy, if you know that, like when your muscles get bigger, you can get like hypertrophy of the heart when you're getting fitter. You can also get atrophy. So when you're not training and when you're not doing it. So when you're not nasal breathing and you're going heavy on the mouth breathing, that is not so good for you, my friend. Now, I think you get the idea about breathing through your nose as opposed to your mouth. Let's just talk about the sort of quantity of breath. So breathing less is essentially more. So you know the old cliche, oh, less is more. Well, in this case, it actually is. Breathing less is actually better for you. It makes you calmer. It makes your heart rate slow. It makes your blood pressure drop. They say that you should judge a yogi by the amount of breaths they've had as opposed to the amount of days that they've lived because one of the key things in yoga is breathing and for a period of time yoga was just breathing and it wasn't about the movements that's a bit of the anecdotal evidence from the book again so I mean correct me if I'm wrong here and just send me a message and then I'll put out a public service announcement that I was wrong and someone else was right now scientists in the late 60s um, using like LSD to treat their patients for like schizophrenia and other sort of mental health disorders they actually switched to using breathing methods as opposed to LSD when that was outlawed in um, 1968 so they had to give people a different type of therapy for those disorders and heavy breathing was one of them because um, it creates such a stress and then you can control it and that is apparently very good for you So almost getting yourself into a state of panic and then calming yourself with slower breath. It's not something I recommend you do right now. I'd definitely listen to the book to hear that or research that yourself. But there have been times before where I've probably been a bit too stoned and I've started breathing heavy and then, oh my God, I'm feeling a panic attack coming along. And in a weird way, I've kind of let it happen so that I can slow myself down with breath. And that has been since I've read this book and it is so strange what breath can do for me I don't really know how much more I want to say on the book because the effects of this book have been really profound I've been able to get myself back to sleep I've learned how to manage panic attacks and that's something I have had before granted like I haven't had one sober for a while so I haven't been able to test this theory but I was right on the edge of it when I was playing around with it and it was such a weird feeling to be able to just breathe slow and calm yourself down and just be able to take control of your body in that way purely through the breath so if this sounds like something that would be of interest to you i definitely scratch that itch because you can just listen to the book it's about six hours long chuck it on 1.4 audio speed you're looking at about four and a half hours the maths could be off there, four and a half, five hours, four hours, who who knows? 
But there's a little hack for you, actually. When you're listening to a book and they're talking too slow, if you go bottom left on your Audible, you can change the speed in which you listen to their voices, which is really handy when you want to get through more books than what you're going through, which, I mean, as a listener to this podcast, you probably do want to do. But obviously, if you just listen to it relaxed, you don't want to listen to them talking so fast that they're talking like this and you can't understand most of what they're saying but you can obviously understand some of what they're saying because you're able to absorb it and then talk about it on a podcast if you see what i mean you can actually do this with a podcast as well so if you think i'd talk too slow you can always speed me up so there you have it there's two books for you this week and i'm glad i've got the episode of deep work out of the way to be fair because that's been daunting me for a while i've had it on my bedside table to remind me every morning and i just kept putting it off but thank you very much for listening as always when it comes to the book reviews i've got my stoic thought of the week for you now just to give you a bit of context here bali i was meant to be moving to bali midway through september the balinese government who knows what's going on with them they keep saying they're shutting they're opening they can't seem to make their mind up so i took the executive decision on my life to cancel my flight to Bali, get my money back, and then as soon as I see people going out there and it's confirmed that it's open, I'll book my flight then and I'll be taking the podcast over there. So, worldwide, baby, what's up? I've actually decided now instead, because I don't want to be at home, I wanted to get away, that I'm going to go to Portugal. So, there probably will be a break in the content for a week or so. I think there's a certain thing when you're looking to go traveling or you're looking to move abroad or you're looking to go on holiday. Are you just trying to escape the reality of where you are? And I don't necessarily think there's anything wrong with that. But the Daily Stoic, as always, served me up something that I apparently needed to read. And he says, the best retreat is in here, not out there. Comes from Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. People seek retreats for themselves in the country, by the sea, or in the mountains. You are very much in the habit of yearning for those same things, but this is entirely the trait of a base person. When you can, at any moment, find such retreat in yourself. For nowhere can you find more peaceful and less busy retreat than in your own soul, especially if on close inspection it is filled with ease, which I say is nothing more than being well-ordered. Treat yourself often to this retreat and be renewed. So Ryan Holiday's explanation of this is, do you have a vacation coming up? Are you looking forward to the weekend so you can have some peace and quiet? Maybe you think, after all things settle down or after I get this over with, but how often has that actually worked? A Zen meditation teacher, John Kabat-Zinn, coined as a famous expression, wherever you go, there you are. We can find a retreat at any time by looking inward. We can sit with our eyes closed, feel our breath, go in and out and we can turn on some music and tune out the world we can turn off technology or shut off those rampant thoughts in our head that will provide us peace nothing else and i was like oh do you know what ryan stop shouting at me so early in the morning because that spoke to my soul there is so much to be said for sitting with yourself with your thoughts with your breath and listening and tuning into your body it probably will provide you with a better feeling than being on holiday in terms of peace and clarity. But I mean, it certainly helps when you're out of your normal routine and you're somewhere really nice.
So that's my stoic thought of the week. Don't worry if you are running away and you want to go somewhere new, but just remember that you can always go within yourself and that's a pretty good retreat. But that's it from your boy. Obviously, Instagram, at a need to read with the number two as opposed to the word. And don't forget about that email list. I'm chucking it in the description. I want to see a couple people signing up. If you're on Apple Podcasts, please do chuck us a review. Five stars. Say something nice. That's all I'm asking for. That'll be it from me. I hope you have a fantastic day, week, whatever you're doing. Take it easy, everyone.